Namaste, yogis and friends. I'm Kino McGregor. And I'm Tim Feldman. And we would like to welcome you to Miami Life Centers podcast. Okay. Hi, everyone. Hi. Well, um, this is Anthony, and um, he has a very big passion about breathing, and he's going to speak with us tonight about it. And I've heard one, his lecture, and it's really great. And, of course, you know Natalia. She teaches the yin yoga here, which uh, I try to make every class that she teaches because she's so good. And she's going to speak a little bit about meditation. So welcome. Sorry to lose you soon. <laughs> so... so. Hello, I am Anthony. Um, I've been practicing pranayama for about four to five years. I went to Bala Vinyasa, which is now Green Monkey, teacher training in 2014. So before we get started, how about we all take one deep breath and say Om. Ready? way to start and open our awareness to what is about to be spoken okay so pranayama in the eight limbs pranayama is the fourth limb of ashtanga yoga and they consider it the bridge to the internal parts of yoga while yama niyama and asana are kind of the external parts of yoga Pranayama being the bridge because it's the part where you become aware of your breath and you can see how someone's breathing and how it begins to affect your mind. And while pratyahara, which is withdrawal of the senses, and then dharana and dhyana, which is meditation, and samadhi, which is the transcendence. And so pranayama, prana meaning energy or breath, and yama meaning to control, through specific breathing exercises, you learn to take control, better control of your breathing. And of course, it's like, it's so simple. Everyone is breathing I don't know, 24 hours a day, even when you're sleeping. However, when you start to have more control, like when you go to the gym and exercise your biceps or triceps, those muscles get stronger. And the muscles that we breathe with, when you begin to exercise those, your normal daily respiration rate will begin to be deeper. And I brought two books with me. One is The Secrets of Pranayama, Pranayama Rahasya by Swami Ramdev, and The Oxygen Advantage. This one is not really about yoga, but it talks about the science of breath, which I'll get into in a minute. And it is important because it deals exactly with pranayama, breath control, and why we need to breathe. So from a yoga, yoga perspective, when you begin to take on the practice of pranayama, it is for the purposes of reaching the pratyahara, which is withdrawal of the senses, so you can have a better concentration level, attention span, that you can reach into meditation. Because when people first try meditation, 
there's a little um, resistance specifically with our mind. And that is because the only way to actually silence the mind or even to, to exercise the mind is with the breath, is with pranayama. Because breath in Greek means spirit. And so by being spiritual, you're actually being someone who's a breather, a deep breather. And that is what whole spiritual practice is about. It's about practicing with your breath. And so pranayama, when you begin to practice it, your spirit begins to get stronger. Your mind begins to get stronger. You have more control over your mind, of course, and over your breath because you'll be more aware of your breath. And there's about eight breathing exercises in the book that he talks about that can really strengthen you. It could detox your body. There's ones that heat up the body and ones that cool down the body. Practicing with your bandhas and also taking it into your asana practice, ashtanga yoga. And in the other book about the oxygen advantage, we have this misconception of, of breathing in itself. Just a quick question. Does anyone know the role of carbon dioxide in the body? Anyone? Carbon dioxide is actually not a waste gas. What we've been taught, most people, is that we inhale oxygen and we let off carbon dioxide. The trees breathe in the carbon dioxide. They let off the oxygen that we breathe in. But carbon dioxide is not a waste gas, even though our muscles produce it. What happened is that Let's take, for example, when someone hyperventilates, hyperventilation, someone can pass away, someone can really die from hyperventilation. And hyperventilation is not the lack of oxygen, it's actually the lack of carbon dioxide when someone passes away from that. So the association in the book is that we're breathing too fast. We're taking too many breaths per minute and therefore not having enough carbon dioxide. So carbon dioxide's role in the body is so that there's a transfer between oxygen and carbon dioxide in the tissues. So going again to the example, when someone's hyperventilating, they have no carbon dioxide. Like if someone's going for a long run and they're running and they're running, they're breathing fast. The carbon dioxide, there's no carbon dioxide in the body. And therefore, the oxygen that they're bringing into the body is not going to the, to the muscles, to the tissues, or to the brain, and then there's nothing. So it's not oxygen that we need. Our oxygen, there's blood oxygen saturation of our blood is usually at 99%. What we need to do is hold on to the carbon dioxide that we are creating within ourselves by slowing our breathing. And the, the guy, uh, Dr. Constantine Buteco, he developed a method called the Buteco method. It came out around in the 1950s, 1960s in the Soviet space race because he was a scientist and also a doctor. And he, he had to develop a way for his astronauts to get into space. And the way he developed it was by telling, he had to tell them to hold their breath. So that is one of the direct ways you can tell of your blood oxygen saturation levels is by how long you can hold your breath comfortably. I'm not saying hold it and sit until you're passing out. I'm saying holding it until you get that first urge, until your diaphragm contracts and it lets you breathe. And that gives you a notice. 
It could be 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, people holding it for a minute. And that gives you insight into where, how, how deep and how healthy your breathing is. And he also discovered, I mean, that's in his, his science that he discovered for the astronauts. But as a doctor, as a medical professional, he also discovered in his patients that the persons who had AIDS, diabetes, cancer, they were all breathing at about 12 to 16 breaths per minute. And a healthy individual were breathing about six to eight breaths per minute. So they were breathing half of what the, the sick patients were breathing. And therefore, it's not just about holding your breath. It's about slowing down your breath. When you're at, at a, your heart rate is directly linked to your breathing rate. When your resting heart rate is above 60 beats per minute, that is, I mean, that's the average, right? But did you know a bear, when it goes into hibernation for six months during the winter, its heart rate goes down to 30 beats per minute? That's half of what our heart rate is. And that is also linked to his, how he's breathing, how the grizzly bear is breathing in his cave. So we could do that naturally every day we, when we wake up and we go into our meditation. We can start to alter our state of consciousness, alter our heart rates, and lower our heart rates. And that is an indication, too, of your, your health. You know, If your heart rate is very high, just come back to your breathing. Your breathing shouldn't be heard. It should be silent, soft, long, and slender. Very soft. And through breathing slowly, you start to build up carbon dioxide. And therefore, there's a better transfer for the oxygen that you do take in to go to your brain and to your cells. As well as there's a new thing that they've came out with is hyperbaric carbon. It's like a little tank that they t put you in, but it's just carbon. And they're basically feeding carbon through your cells because you can absorb it through your skin. And therefore, it opens up your circulation. That is another thing. Carbon dioxide is arterial dilator, meaning it opens up your blood vessels. While oxygen is a constrictor. Oxygen is good. Oxygen is great. It's alkaline. It, it cleanses the body. Like if you've ever done kundalini yoga, you know in kundalini yoga there's a lot of breath of fire. Very fast paced. That's great and all. But if you're not going to be holding your breath after, you're just building up a lot of oxygen, no carbon dioxide, and therefore you feel all jittery. All You need to come back to stillness. You need to hold the breath. That was the whole point of breath of fire so that you can warm up the body and then be able to hold for longer. That was the whole point. And then there's, there's a whole practice that was missed because of it. And so oxygen is great, like I said, but it's also an arterial constrictor. So that, that way you need to slow, come back to slowing down your breathing. Now, of course, if you're running and you're exercising, your breathing rate is going to increase. That's normal. You need ATP for your muscles. Your muscles create ATP through oxygen. It creates energy with the oxygen. So, of course, you get your breathing rate is going to increase. But what I'm saying is you're resting when you're sitting down, when you're driving, when you're watching TV. If your breathing rate is above normal, that is not, it's not healthy. It's not healthy because you, you still want your body to be relaxed. You want to be relaxed wherever you are. And the most potent way to do it is to bring your mind and awareness to your breathing.
And there is one breathing exercise that I would uh, like to, to practice with you all. It's called Kapalabhati. Speed up the breathing to come back to slowing down the breathing. So there's a nice balance. So in Kapalabhati, you let your inhale happen naturally and you force the exhale out. So we're going to be extinguishing a lot of carbon dioxide. But then after, you're going to be able to hold your breath for a little bit longer and able to cleanse your body. So an example goes like this. You're going to take a deep breath when you feel like you can't go any longer. Exhale completely out. Hold the breath out. And just sit with the breath held out. And just hold for as long as comfortable. And be still in that, in that silence. And just feel the presence. So ready? Let's just do one round. Ready? Take a deep breath in. And we can begin. Take a deep breath in, exhale completely out, and hold the breath out, and just relax, you can even close your eyes, and just feel the sensations that are occurring, and when you feel that urge to breathe again, just take a deep breath and relax. So that is a great way to cleanse out your, your blood, detox the body, increases the heart rate, but then by holding the heart, uh, your breath, you can begin to slow it back down. And that is uh, just one of the many breathing pranayamas that are, that are practiced to, uh, to exercise your mind and prepare you for meditation. Natalia is going to begin with our meditation to cool our breathing down. And, and thank you again for having me here. And thank you. <laughs> so we did the breathing exercise. And after, we were breathing out and holding our breath. Exactly. Um, could you also inhale and then hold the breath? And if yes, like what, just like, if, what's the difference? That's a great, great, great question. Because the breath can be held, of course, at the breath held. The breath can be held at, of course, when we're holding the breath out. And like you said, at the top of the inhale, when you're holding the breath in. Now, the difference is your medulla oblongata 
is actually the part of the brain that regulates the blood pH. And it, it regulates the blood pH by measuring how much carbon dioxide is in the body, right? So when you hold the breath in, there's oxygen in your lungs. So it kind of confuses the medulla oblongata because it dilutes how much carbon dioxide is in your, in your body because there's still oxygen in your body. But when you hold the breath out, the only oxygen that is in you is in your blood that's traveling. So your medulla oblongata has no time to have any confusion when it's measuring how much. But it's also in pranayama, right? It's kind of like, it's like inhale and exhale. It's like day and night, a yin and yang, right? So when you hold the breath out, it's kind of like coming back to an emptiness. It's coming back to stillness. While holding the breath in is more of like an energizing technique to like pump you up in a sense, you know? Like an inhale is to like, to, it charges you up and an exhale is to let go. You hold the breath out and you relax. Holding the breath in is you gain the force again. So in Kapalabhati, we hold the breath out because we're, we're cleansing the blood and then another step further is that when you're holding the breath out, is a kriya that's performed. The kriya is by moving your mula and uriyam bandha in. And that way, like when you, whenever you're moving your muscles, your muscles create carbon dioxide because of the, the role that's being played, the, the metabolic functions that play. It produces the carbon dioxide. So when you're doing the kriyas, when you're moving your stomach in and out while holding the breath out, that creates a, a higher sense of carbon dioxide which then flushes your whole body with the oxygen again. It makes the oxygen go straight to the tissues and cells. So I was just giving you an example of holding your breath out without, you know, moving, just holding the breath out and relaxing. But another step further was to, to hold the breath out and move the muscles. Now, there's another pranayama in Bhastrika, like breath of fire, for example. Breath of fire is a form of Bhastrika. It's actually the third form. Uh, Bhastrika is just an even inhale and exhale, but still forced. So there's a Bhastrika like... And that's a full Bhastrika because I'm taking all the breath in and all the breath out. And then a breath of fire is still equal inhale and exhale, but it's not fully. So it's just like... But still... At the end, you can come in and take a deep breath, hold it, and whenever you hold the breath in, you want to include the bandhas, pulling in your mula and bringing the jalahandra like this, so that way the blood doesn't go straight to your brain. There's a nice flow to it. So yeah, that's one of the, I hope I answered your question. (laughs) And I think I had one more thing to say. There's a, there's a pH link to what we eat and how we breathe. There's a, this is why a lot of the yogis take the vegetarian simple food diet because oxygen is alkaline and carbon dioxide is acidic, right? So when you start to eat acidic foods, you breathe faster. Like all this processed stuff, your breath starts to go faster. When you start to eat healthy foods, simple foods, your breath slows down. Because the processed food is acidic, so it offloads that, um, the acid 
like carbon dioxide by telling you to breathe faster. But when you start to eat simpler foods, like fruits, alkaline foods, vegetables, it's alkaline, so your body starts to breathe slower. You may not even notice it, but that's why you have that much energy, because it's the pH link. You're, you're um, adjusting your blood pH through the food, and then your body, since it's alkaline, now your body has to breathe slower to build up that acid. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Anything else? Uh, for the Kapalavati, do you pr can practice that technique alone? And if do, how many times do you do the expulsions of, of air? What would you recommend? Thank you. You can do about Kapalabhati like once every second, so 60 times in a minute, right? 60 times in a minute. So I would say about three rounds, like if, if you've never done it before, like three rounds. Do one, one minute, takes like 60 rounds of Kapalabhati, and, and then hold your breath out. You can either hold it relaxed by holding it out, or you can move the bandhas in and out, and then do two more rounds. So three rounds would be great. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, end with a nice meditation. Here we go. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anything? Is that, is, that, is that calming to the nervous system? Because I know some pranayama is like good for activating the parasympathetic nervous system. I would say the best one for activating the parasympathetic nervous system. Because Kapalabhati will kind of like activate the sympathetic nervous system. But the holding out the breath will come, will bring you back to the parasympathetic. So sympathetic is like the activation, the fight or flight. Parasympathetic is what relaxes you, the rest and digest. And so the best one for parasympathetic activation is alternate nostril breathing. It's the best one because it cleanses out the nerves and it balances both the left and right hemispheres of the brain. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, so Mark has asked me to guide a short meditation before we start, just to settle in to your body and prepare yourself for the pranayama practice that he will be guiding you all through, us all through. So um, if you will find a comfortable seat, a seat that you can stay in through Mark's practice as well, can everyone hear me? And before we get started, the breath is one of the main focal points when we start with basic guided meditation. So a simple shift of your focus to your breath is the first step to connect to where you are in your body in the moment and what you're feeling um, and what's going on in your mind. It's all connected with the rate of, of your, your breath. Um, if you're feeling nervous or if your mind is overactive, it will affect the pace at which you breathe. So it's always good to settle down and focus on your breath without judging it, just watching where your breath is in the moment. Um, so start with that and bring your awareness to your seat.
and create a sense of grounding at your foundation. And then bring a gentle lift to your heart as you open your shoulders and draw your shoulder blades slightly in. And take a moment to observe how you feel in this moment. If there are any areas of tension or activity in your physical body. And shift your focus to your breath just as it is. And become curious about it. Is it long or short? Does it flow freely or does it seem interrupted? And does it seem to get stuck in a particular area of your body? Notice the sensations within your rib cage. And around your heart. The breath is connected to the energies of the Anahata Chakra, which is your heart energy center. And this is the center that is the bridge between your lower energetic centers connected to personal experiences, emotions, willpower. And your upper energy centers that begin to connect you with the divine And the center of Anahata deals with issues of love and balance. And additionally, energetically holds grief and the need for forgiveness. So notice how your heart feels as you breathe. And simply follow your breath. With your awareness, the rhythm may start to change. And keep a sharp mental focus, your mind's eye, 
fully connected to the trajectory of your breath. Notice any areas that begin to soften or expand by simply following your breath. And as you do that, scan your body for any muscular tension which causes resistance to the flow of your breath. And if you find tension anywhere, gently command your body to release. And take a moment to observe the left side of your body. And what do you notice as your breath flows through that side? This is the side of your divine feminine energies. Now shift your focus to the right side of your body. Divine masculine energies, how does it feel there? And now return the full focus of your mind's eye back to the path of your breath. And create your own rhythm. Observe to create stillness within. And take a moment to observe your thoughts. Are they present? Or do they try to lead you back to the past or draw you into the future?
and to still your thoughts, set an intention as you breathe. A simple phrase in the present tense, in positive language, that guides you toward how you want to feel. And anytime your thoughts wander, return to your intention and follow the path of your breath. And in the same way you draw in your thoughts, imagine now your breath drawing in toward your center line. Allow it to flow up and down along your spine, within your spine. And we'll set a group intention, I breathe to feel good. I breathe to reconnect to my center. I am kind with myself as I breathe. And I trust that my breath knows the path to the divine sanctuary within me. And with that, I'll pass you over to Mark. Thanks for that. That's right, pretty. Well, I just spent the last seven days breathing with most of you people here. There's this book called Light on Pranayama by Iyengar. I think probably a lot of you heard of him. But I, I just wrote that book to recommend it because I think it's like uh, the Bible of breathing and anything you need to know about, you can follow him. He's a little rough, but... <laughs> but he's uh, very, really smart. And my thing with pranayama is a more physical thing that I feel w with people when I breathe with them. Like, I, like for years, I, we, I, I, when I was in California, I, we had a breathing thing that we met every day. And uh, Tim Miller used to lead us and it was really, uh, the practice was uh, 
was so endearing to me to meet in the morning. It was very difficult to get into, but the rewards were really special as time went on. It's beyond words that I could even talk to you about. But out of uh, Iyengar's book, I, I uh, took some things that he talks about, the benefits of pranayama. The one, one, of the, one of the items is it, uh, pranayama is very good because it, it helps you fend off diseases because it keeps your circulatory system healthy. And it, and it maintains a good blood pressure with constant pranayama. And um, he wrote this quote that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read his, his quote. It's from him. He says, In old age, the respiratory function decreases due to the, co- the, contra- the contraction of the air cells of the lungs, which take in less oxygen. Pranayama will help to normalize their size and make the red capillaries circulate in all parts of the body, infusing life and vigor throughout. By its practice, even old people can delay the aging process. That's for me. <laughs> so to me the practice is the most important to me the actual physical thing because I'm not that, an intellectual type of a person so I thought we would do some uh, breathing exercises like Anthony was talking about before we did though I was, I was, I was like to explain a little bit of a ujjayi breath with sound. So we have nasal passages that the air comes into. And we have the ability to regulate how they come in. And that's a real difficult thing when you start to breathe and how to have a connection with them in your own body. What helps me is breathing with other people that really helps to, to get a good energy going and, and be one with the people that I'm breathing with. So that's a good thing to think about is how you can control the uh, nasal passages in, a, in the right way, like how to have a connection with that so that they're opening and closing without violence or force because you want to do it in a gentle way where they open and close gently. So a ujjayi breath with sound is you can regulate the sound of the breath inside your throat, but it takes practice, many years of coming to pranayama, and you'll develop, uh, you'll develop a knack for doing that. When I take a ujjayi breath with sound, what I do is my stomach comes out on the inhalation, but it doesn't pass past my rib cage, one third of my breath. The next third of my breath comes 
to the sides, to my rib cage, which expands outward. And the last part comes up my spine through the crown of the head. But that movement is done like in, in one movement. But let, let me give you an example of that. So first I would exhale. I'm going to do one breath, but it's really in three parts. A port, and a very important thing is these you have muscles in between your ribs that are called the intracostal muscles. So you want those to be, you want to get in touch with them so that you learn how to work them because they're very elusive. And you want to learn how to separate your ribs so they come apart, come out wide, and then finish the breath with the last part that comes up. The shishunga is it called? Shishunga. Comes up the, in, inside the center of your spine. So I'm, I'm going to take an inhale with sound. So first I'm going to exhale. Excel. So the end of the breath, I'm trying to expel all the air in my lungs. So it, it's a cleaning process that, that I go through. Yes. Sorry, when you exhale, do you also exhale on three parts, or do you just kind of exhale? No. Everything, everything comes out on the exhalation. When you have that little piece of exhale, it always feels like there's an extra little piece of exhalation. I notice you still, it kind of was there, you still push it out, right? So you're still yes. Exhaling. Yes. And that, you know, that takes a long time to cultivate. Yeah. Because the exhale is, is quite. You know, quite difficult. Yeah. You know, and so when my rib, when I take an exhalation, my rib cage is actually moving outwards. And my mula bandha is tightening, and it's locking at the end. So that last thing of breath you heal is 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 locking and then i and then when i do kumbhaka or holding my breath uh that's the hardest for people on the exhalation to 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 understand and the only way to understand it is by going to and doing a breathing practice all the time so the next thing is Nadi Shodhana, which is which Anthony mentioned, which is uh, alternate nostril breathing. So the digits on your fingers are very are important in that because I close these two fingers and 
hold my nose like this. But you can do it how you want to. A lot of people go like this, or put their third eye, or, but I hold it like this. <clears throat> and, yeah, you're, well, that's important because the digits of your fingers that you're holding your nose have to have a connection with each other so that they have the right balance so that you're regulating the air just like you're regulating the air when you're breathing with a huge eye breath and you can make the sound so if you're holding your nose and you're breathing to the left you would come out like And if I loosen it, I, then the air comes out faster. So it's a process of regulating what your breath is to yourself so that you feel comfortable inhaling and exhaling. What I've understood is in, in alternate nostril, you're not supposed to use Ujjayi breathing. No, but you make a noise. So, okay. <laughs> do you make a noise when you breathe, when you do that? Alternate nostril? Yeah. But yeah, but no, not like the Ujjayi no. noise. Yeah. So instead of using like the ujjayi to regulate, you use the fingers to regulate. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. And it's important to press gently on, and not like, like forceful, you know. Yeah. It's just to, to get kind of like a rhythm going. When you when you're doing that. Yeah. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna. Do like the practice that we've been doing all week, but abbreviated it. And we're not going to do Bastrika. So first we're going to exhale all the air. Then we're going to inhale. And then we're going to exhale. When we do Nadi Shodhana, that's where you can practice having a connection between your fingers. Okay, so we're just going to do a little practice. We're going to do some Ujjayi breaths. With retention, I'm going to take three Ujjayi breaths between each segment that we do. Okay, so sit in a comfortable position with your spine straight, relax, and try and feel the, the energy of the people in the room. And exhale all your air. And inhale. Exhale and hold. Inhale. Exhale and hold. Inhale. Exhale and hold.
inhale and hold. Exhale. Inhale and hold. Exhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Exhale. <sighs> Inhale. Exhale. Inhale and hold. Exhale and hold. Exhale and hold.
exhale and hold. Exhale. Inhale and lift your arm. Exhale, left. Exhale left. Hold. Inhale left. Hold. Exhale right. And hold. Inhale right. Exhale left. Hold. Inhale left. Exhale right. Hold. Inhale right. 
exhale left. Hold. Inhale left. Hold. Exhale right. Exhale left. And relax your hands. Inhale. And exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. And exhale. Inhale. And exhale. And we're going to do the cooling breath now. So coral your tongue and breathe in through your tongue. Hold. Exhale. Again. Hold. Exhale. One more time. Hold, exhale. Mm -hmm. 
inhale exhale inhale exhale and inhale bring your hands together and one arm So that's just a little taste of the breathing that we do here. We do it four times a week on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. So if you wanted to create a breathing practice with us, we'd love to have you join us. Um, if you have questions. Um, so I'm part of the Ashtanga Intensive, and I've been breathing with you for you know the past several weeks. But um, something that I've noticed is that I'm I'm new to pranayama, and so I would often um, not be able to keep up with the practice, and that would sometimes kind of discourage me. So I was wondering, um, and also I'm not going to be able to come to the breathing classes here, um, unfortunately. So I was wondering whether if you could recommend kind of a, a beginner's breathing practice like what would you recommend to somebody who's not able to really keep up with what we were doing the hour-long pranayama so that I can work up to that on my own and also where um, when I should do it in relation to my asana practice so would it be you know good to do it before or after in general there's a lot of different um, feelings on that you know when I practice we used to do it early in the morning at six o'clock before practice and of course I've heard that a lot of people say you should never do it before practice but we do <laughs> and a good another good time to do it is nighttime before bed like in any evening time to calm your nerves and what you think you, you have 6,000 miles of nerves in your body so Pranayama really helps calm down the nervous system. It's it's real good for you. Yes, Patricia. To offer answer for for the time and to complement what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I have the same question for Sharat because I feel like uh, for me it works better to do pranayama before practice. Right. I don't do the whole full cycles that he does. I only do the two first ones because mm -hmm. it was assumed the first one is for primary and second one for the second series. Whatever. And that's all I can do. I cannot go like. The chat that he is all the time. <laughs> and and I asked her at the same question, and he said that that was fine, that it was okay to if it was okay for me to practice. And I know Alex also. When I told her, she said that she had asked the same question, and he told her that was fine. It was just pranayama before practice. 
But it's, I was also wondering, what about you know after practice, but before the final relaxation, like. Yeah, right. I use breathing, I mean, in a general sense. I use breathing as a meditation. So I'm actually breathing all day long. Not concentrating like this is. But if I'm in my car, I'm in traffic, or if something's bothering me, or my mind the chitta vrittis are going crazy. You know, I always come back to my breath. And it's, and, you know, I've been doing it so long. It's always, um, it's it's something that I cherish because it's not right or wrong or good or bad. It just is. It's the breath, you know. I would. So I would like to add the importance of kindness to yourself. Um, yes. Mark has the practice laid out, so you know the steps to take. But be with yourself as you are when you're practicing on your own. I know that in a lead class, you're keeping up with the group. Um, but even then, take breaths in between and honor your body. That's the most important thing. Um, and when you practice on your own and you follow your breath and you just love yourself as you are, those pockets will begin to open, your breath will lengthen, and everything just begins to flow naturally. So just love yourself. That, no, that's very good advice. And um, as far as, you know, the, that we are breathing well in the classes because we're, we've been doing it quite a while. So uh, we're more accomplished. So if you're trying to start a breathing practice it's it's very hard to do it by yourself but if you could take the practice and not do it like we're doing it which is way you know too long just go your level and do try and do as much as you can but without any force without any strain it's like natalia says you know have compassion for yourself because you're trying to create the practice and it's going to take time. It's really difficult. I know it took me like six months to barely feel comfortable in the class. So, so I, you know, I wouldn't put too much pressure on myself or strain, but, you know, but a constant practice is what's going to really bring benefits to your, to your system and, and make you a healthier person. by far is the one that pretty much everyone can practice because Ujjayi breath creates a lot of fire in our system so depending on where you're, how you're feeling where you are and, um, everyone uh, it depends on which practice you kind of need to but at any like pregnant, anything everybody can practice all of the other ones you kind of want to balance them with other things <laughs> I would just add that um, a good I, I like to practice pranayama in the morning start my day um, you can also like you said after your ashtanga practice to always remember to relax do the shavasana for at least 10-15 minutes before you do pranayama that way you're, you can calm your nerves again before going in 
always remember to have a light stomach before doing pranayama. That's, that's one of the most important things to do. So I'd like to add one more thing, which is just not only the observation of the breath, but also the observation of, of the thoughts, any ego coming up, like, I should be better than I am, um, and the physical sensations. It's, every, it's an interconnected system between, you know, spirit, mind, emotions, and body. So, and then your breath as a whole other entity. So um, listen to what's arising within. Your breath will open up parts within you that will reveal um, information about who you are and about what you're processing. So um, give yourself the opportunity to honor what arises in the realms of your thoughts and your emotions as well. I was practicing consistently. I would wake up at 4, 4.30 in the morning to practice, and I would practice for an hour. Now I can sometimes only get like 15 minutes in, you know. So it's not about how long. It's more about consistency, exactly. And if, if you're looking for something to just begin with, always start with uh, just 5, 10 minutes. I, I promise you that's all you really need. Like, all you really need is just one breath that is focused, you know? Not even, there's, there's a bunch of people in the world right now who don't even take just one breath that's focused. Imagine just meditating for a minute, you know? Not, people can't even meditate on just one breath. So just uh, with time, everything, eventually you'll get the hang of it and you can extend your practice. That's when you'll get the, the beauty of it, you know? When you're like, oh, my God, this is so lovely. Now I want to go 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, you know? So. <laughs> Does anyone ever have the blissful feeling <laughs> when you're doing pranayama? <laughs> you know? So. It kind of brings the conscious and the unconscious mind together and, and uh, creates this blissful feeling inside me that I... I cherish. <laughs> I mean, there's no words to explain it, but I do it. So hopefully you'll all come to Pranayama here. <laughs> Can I ask one more question? Sure. I've always asked myself, why do I sweat so much doing Pranayama? Like, I sweat so much, and I don't know if it's, like, normal. Or if you can, like, scientifically explain, maybe because you know a lot about the uh, things, you know, like carbon dioxide and everything, maybe. I mean, uh, I think uh, BKS Iyengar um, may have said that, that that's just a uh, part of the process, you know. S some people have experienced different things. Some people get sweaty. Some people get jittery. Some people get tired, dizzy. Everyone is going to experience something different. And just know that it's working. Whatever is happening and whatever is going on, it's it's working. Um, part of your, I think it's the pineal gland or pituitary gland, regulates your thermal part of your body. Like it regulates your body temperature. So that could be a happening too. Like your pineal pituitary glands being activated, stimulated. Something's happening. And just know that in, you're in good hands. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He writes in the book too about that, about sweating. That you, when you first start pranayama, you're gonna sweat, 
and then little by little that's going to go away when you get more comfortable with the breath. Yes. And also, <laughs> what I notice is that people that that uh, tell me that why do I breathe? I, I was born. I can breathe. I, it's, breathing is ridiculous to do. But um, I find such a connection between my pranayama practice and my asana practice. You know, I really try. I really bring them together. Of course, I get taken away. You know, if you got a pain or something like that. But when I'm in the postures, really try and combine them because they really do. The purpose is to to go together, pranayama and asana together. I think in in regards to the sweating, it's purification. So all of, any impurities that are in your body, yeah, exactly, tapas. So it's, it's filtering out. Um, and because it's a challenge, especially in a guided practice where you're going, at, trying to keep up with someone else's pace, um, you will sweat. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you so much for uh, coming here and you know, giving us all that good information. It's a lot easier having you guys here. Thank you. And especially all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Chat and Chai Yoga Talks from Miami Life Center. Thanks for tuning in. In our other episodes, you'll find talks on each of the limbs of Ashtanga Yoga according to Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. And come visit us. We're in the heart of South Beach in Miami. Miami Life Center is dedicated to the study of yoga and the lineage of our teachers, Sri K. Patabi Joyce and his grandson, Arshrat Joyce. We have Mysore classes, guided classes, pranayama, restorative classes, and we even have workshops with world-renowned teachers and community events going on all the time. Sangha, translated as community, is really important to us at Amalsi. We recognize it as a necessary pillar for walking down the spiritual path, and this podcast is a way for us to extend our Sangha to all of you listening, to create a stronger and more connected community of yoga practitioners. If you're interested in learning more about us and what we do, or if you just want to stay in touch, visit our website www.miamilifecenter.com or follow us on Instagram at Miami Life Center. Thanks for listening to Chat and Chai, Yoga Talks from Miami Life Center. Namaste.